Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Potomac Perspective, presented by Stiefel. I'm Neil Shapiro, joined as always by our chief Washington policy strategist, Brian Gardner. Hi, Brian. Neil, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I know it was sort of probably a semi-late night for you. I have visions of you with your on the couch with your feet up. You had the popcorn going, watching those primary results come in. And we did have several uh, several key primaries last night. Um, what are your takeaways? Yeah, so uh, Tuesdays are becoming regular late nights, um, which is fine for uh, for those of us who enjoy politics. It's um, uh, it's uh, just love the the election season, whether it's in, in the fall or the spring. Um, so uh, yeah, several states had primaries last night: um, Georgia, Alabama, Arkansas, Texas, and I think the the basic takeaway was um, a lot of traditional Republicans winning um, and. Uh, and the party avoided nominating uh, candidates from the far right. And, 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 Neil, whatever I say here, keep in mind, I'm, I'm talking generalities. There's always an exception um, to, to, to the general rule, but generally that that's how it played out. Um, and, uh, and, you know, uh, in last week there were, there were primaries in Pennsylvania and, and uh, North Carolina, among other states. And, and those kind of went in a different direction in turn from the democratic side. Um, where you had Democrats nominating progressive candidates in some key states. So I think, what, uh, at least at the Senate level and, and some House seats, and I, I think what it's setting up is, uh, um, you know, some interesting dynamics for the fall. Yeah, well, actually, we've been talking the last couple of weeks. We, we've mentioned the midterm elections coming up in November. So I'm wondering, Brian, based on what you just said and what we saw last night, does anything change in your outlook for the midterms? Um, given what we now know? Yeah, I wouldn't say change, um, maybe more confirmation. So Republicans are almost guaranteed to win the House um, uh, for a number of reasons. You know, they need five seats to, to re- uh, net not five uh, seat gain to, to retake the House. The average gain is 26. You look at President Biden's weak approval, job approval numbers. You look at polling on right track, wrong track, which is in a really bad spot for Democrats. Mm. You look at the generic polling. You look at uh, redistricting that for a while looked like Democrats were going to do better than expected in redistricting and and could kind of offset some uh, some Republican gains. But last week, there was a, a court decision in New York that threw out the New York state map and you know, looks pretty good for Republicans now in a in what should be a Democratic state. So my point is, you throw the, all of those factors into a blender, yeah. mix it up, and you have a Republican House after after November. There's there's very little doubt in my mind at this point. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about the Senate's different because it's not a national election; it's a third of the nation, and so uh, it doesn't necessarily reflect national trends. Um, but I think even that's looking better for Republicans. And because of some of these Senate races, um, you know, I, I, we've talked about having nine key races on, on my list and just a couple of states I mentioned earlier, Pennsylvania and, and uh, North Carolina in particular, where Democrats um, want to pick up those seats from Republican incumbents, retiring Republican incumbents. So those are nice to offset potential Republican gains elsewhere. But Democrats nominated a pair of progressives in those states. So, you know, that makes it a little dicey. It makes it tougher for, for Democrats to to hold to, to win back seats, given that they're probably going to lose some someplace else. So, um, again, it's, it's too early to make a call on the Senate 
uh, you know, it's it's um, we need more data and and just a, a general idea of where some of those races are going. But um, Republicans have to be feeling better about their chances for the Senate than they were two, three, four months ago. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it before. And based on what I'm hearing from you now, it it definitely seems like it's trending a little bit up for the Republicans, at least in the Senate. Yep. So um, I hear what you're saying about it's almost a sure thing that the Republicans take the House. The Senate's still up in the air, although, as we said, the trend maybe, um, you know, favorable for Republicans. So assuming we get some combination, either Republicans win everything or they just take the House, what do you think that means for the GOP agenda after November? So legislatively, there's going to be a lot of gridlock because obviously the the White House will remain uh, Democratic uh, uh, with President Biden in office, so he'll have a veto. Um, There'll be close margins in the Senate regardless, and Neither party is going to get to a 60 vote margin. So, um, you know, gridlock, legislative gridlock is going to is going to continue. But, you know, if the if Republicans control the committees, uh, that means they're going to be running the agenda. And I, you know, I think one issue for investors and the business community to look at is kind of the evolution of the Republican Party. It's not a, it's not a conservative party. It's not your father's conservative party anymore. It's a populist party. It's going to be a, a lot of pushback on big business. So, you know, we talk about issues like ESG, environmental social governance issues. Um, I think you're going to see pushback from Republicans, mostly on big business. Um, uh, but, um, you know, if, if you have companies that are um, taking politically unpopular stances, or at least politically unpopular among Republicans, if they're making financing decisions, maybe it's a large bank that's deciding not to, to lend to a, a so-called unpopular industry. I think there's going to be a lot of pushback. Um, and so companies have to be careful on on how they position themselves because um, because they they could get hauled up for uh, for some uncomfortable congressional hearings. Yeah, you know, Brian, I think you mentioned ESG um, as being wrapped into a lot of this, and I know there's some activity in the uh, within the SEC on ESG. Um, are those separate issues, or is that related? They're kind of related. Um, you know, ESG. You know takes different forms. Um, what's going on today is a little bit different. Um, the SEC has been looking at um, various climate disclosures um, for issuers, company that, that are in the, uh, the public markets raising, um, raising capital. Um, what, they're lo- what the SEC is looking at today is really from the buy side. So funds that hold themselves out as ESG funds. I think what the SEC is going to be looking at today is truth in advertising. So if you claim to be an ESG fund, are you really an ESG fund? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what are the metrics that you use um, that the fund uses uh, as it tries to attract investors? Um, what are, you know, what are its guidelines? Are they living up to the brand of being ESG? So there's a little difference, but, uh, but I think this is all related at, at the end of the day. Yeah, um, we actually just speaking of ESG at Stiefel, we just had a survey come out this week um, looking at ESG from a consumer and a purchasing standpoint. And it's it's interesting because we know we've heard a lot about it for investors, but that survey also showed that it's still very much on the mind of consumers when they make 
decisions. The idea, though, about whether a brand is actually living up to the claims that they make on ESG was something that also came up in a consumer's mind when they're buying when they're buying uh, products. And of course, you know, the, the the big question is whether or not sustainability from a consumer standpoint is still as important as price and value when we have inflation at forty year highs. And um, you know, that was something that came across in our in our Stiefel survey of consumers. So not quite what you're talking about, but ESG obviously in the mind of other folks as well. Definitely. Well, Brian, great information as always. Good discussion. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening. Remember, of course, you could subscribe or download Potomac Perspective on any of your fo- podcast platforms, your favorite podcast platforms. And I hope everyone has a great week. Thanks, Brian. Thank you, Neil.